What's going on, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Big Easy Wrestling. I'm your host, Dustin Structure, my co-host. The one and only Dave. And we have a big guest today. We want to welcome back the Southern Savior, John Schuyler, back to the podcast. How's it going, John? Well, I'm doing well, guys. Uh, it's uh, a sunny afternoon here in, in beautiful Florida, and uh, I'm happy to be doing the show with you guys again. And uh, very nice compliment for you to call me a big guest. I, don't, I feel big. I feel big. I feel special now. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I feel well, special. you're big, and you are a special guest. So you you live in Florida now, or is that just where you're taking residence while you're doing AEW recordings, or like how's that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much a permanent resident now of the state of Florida, which is a move that, that happened at the beginning of the year. So it's just time for a change, and I'm excited about it. So it's almost like a brand new go. start. Um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking for a quick sec. Last time we talked to you was, I believe, before May of 2020, I believe, but you hadn't quite debuted in AEW yet. When did that whole thing come to fruition? Like, when did you start, like appearing in AEW Dark. Like, how'd that all come along? Uh, well, it's kind of funny because it was right at, like, I would probably say still at the beginning of the pandemic era, which thankfully looks like it's coming to a close, finally. But uh, I uh, was literally just working out at the only gym in town that was still open because it was owned by a friend of mine. And, um, you know, so it was kind of like a privately owned gym and everything else had closed down and I was just sitting there working out and I got the text uh, from someone in the office from AEW asking, Hey, do you want to come down and do TV? And I said, when? And they said next week. So I was like, Oh yeah, of course. And uh, you know, the first night in uh, I had a dark with uh, Sonny kiss and Joey Janela. And it went so well that pretty much as soon as I came back through the curtain, they were already talking about booking me again for the next week. So um, it's been, uh, it's just kind of crazy how, you know, the independents were kind of, you know, non-existent at the time, not really a lot of places to go for work inside or outside of wrestling for a lot of people. And, you know, just when you think, uh, man, like you start wondering how are you going to, you know, pay the rent next month, something like this opportunity just kind of happens to fall into your lap. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so with all the wrestlers sitting at ringside, does that mostly consist of a whole bunch of indie wrestlers that, you know, Tony's just kind of helping out during the pandemic? Or is that signed people? Or It's a mixture of both. Um, it's a lot of local talent that comes in for tryouts and also some of the full-time contracted talent. Um, you know, they have a nice mixture of people. And a lot of it is just because, you know, it's so hard, and this is the first time any of us have ever had to kind of live through it, hopefully the last time, knock on wood, but, you know, everything we do in the ring is so reaction-based off of people and the fans that, you know, when anybody that was wrestling in the empty arenas in front of nobody, I mean, it just does weird things to your timing, and, you know, it's just such a, I mean, I can't, it's just so weird, it's such a weird thing to have to try to do to perform in front of nobody you don't even know if you're doing a good job or not because everything again like i said that we do is kind of gauged off crowd response so it's kind of been a unique twist on the empty arena shows to have the talent at ringside i think and um i definitely think it gave the aew like product an edge over everyone else during this era so i think it was a good call um but in terms of actually helping out a lot of the local and you know, indie guys that have been coming in for tryouts. I think, you know, AEW definitely went above and beyond during the pandemic era to see how many indie, non-signed, whatever you want to call them, talents. Uh, you know, they they went above and beyond to see how many they could get work uh, during this era when it's so hard for us to find work. And, um, you know, they got to be, you know, my hat goes off to them. They got to be, you know, really uh, praised for that because, it's not something that they had to do, but that's, you know, somebody like Tony Khan with the huge heart trying to give as many guys as he can and girls uh, an opportunity, mostly an opportunity to make money, but an opportunity to make a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, again, my hats go off to them for, yeah, I, it's probably well over a hundred 
by this point indie talents that got looked at over the the course of the pandemic era wow that's crazy um (laughs) dave you got anything to ask real quick uh yeah i i cut i sorry let me compose myself here i just have a couple two-part questions for you mr skyler okay Question number one is, who have been some of your favorite people to wrestle in AEW Dark? Um, right off the top of my head, I think my favorite match that I've had thus far was probably with Orange Cassidy just a few weeks ago on uh, on Dark Elevation. Um, I think that's very, that was the, you know, I've had a, tremendous opportunities, you know, but I think that was the first, uh, well, one of the first matches that I've had where I can actually it's more indicative of what I can do, uh, as a performer. Uh, you know, we had some good time to go out and, and, you know, have a match, uh, because there's a lot of times when you can only show what you can do. So there's only so much you can show in 30 seconds or two minutes or whatever the case may be. You know, you try to make the most out of every minute that you have, but there's sometimes when you, it's just, it's tough. So I really enjoyed the match with orange. There's a match from a few months ago with John silver that I really enjoyed that, Funny, funny enough, actually wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be a tag match, but one of the participants got injured the day of, so they scrambled a bit, and that's why me and John ended up wrestling each other in a singles. So that was fun. And, um, you know, I've really enjoyed a lot of them. Uh, pretty much every match that I've had at AEW, I've, in, I've enjoyed to, for a different reason uh, or one reason or another, but uh, probably the one with orange probably sticks out as probably my favorite. Nice. And then the go ahead, Dave. And then the second part, real quick, is what have been some of your favorite rivalries over the years? Rivalries that I've been in, or like rivalries that I'm personally just a fan of. It can be both. Let's do both. Okay. Uh, Well, the rivalry that really got me hooked on wrestling as a kid was Bret Hart and Owen Hart, the brother versus brother angle. Um, There was just so much meat on the bone there, and such a good story that was told. And I know we're might be dating myself uh, but you know that's really you know because coming from a family where I was one of two boys my brother was the older brother you know and I was the younger brother it's kind of crazy because like Bret Hart's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers but you know sometimes in a good rivalry or a good story sometimes the villain isn't wrong in what they say and do sometimes they're just misunderstood so even being a younger brother there was part of me that could relate to Owen Hart in that uh in that storyline and that angle so you know, obviously it was pretty shocking to see him beat Brett at WrestleMania 10, but um, just the mileage that they got out of that whole story of brother versus brother was incredible. I mean, they feuded for well over two to three years, um, and stuff like that obviously isn't really done anymore today. Uh, I was also a big fan of the Jericho Shawn Michaels saga from, I guess that was 08. Um, you know, just again, so many layers to the story there. Uh, then uh, things that I've personally done in my own career, a lot of the best rivalries I think I've had have come from a promotion in the Carolinas called PWX um, premier wrestling experience. Check them out. They just launched their own streaming service, pwxlive.com. So I encourage everyone to go sign up for that and you can watch all their shows from the past. But um, uh, some of my favorite rivalries, uh, really one that put me on the map there was with uh, the man scout, Jake Manning, who recently also debuted on AEW Dark. Um, uh, just, again, uh, almost like a year-long feud, and I think the thing that really made that work was there was actually real-life personal animosity between the two of us before we ever started appearing on screen together. Oof. Um, Oof. So Oof. it made it easy, I think, for both of us uh, to really captivate an audience because there was real-life dislike there between the two of us. I didn't like him, and he didn't like me. And I think that translated pretty well on camera, as you can probably imagine. Oh, yeah. um, uh, also had some good ones with Cedric Alexander there, who's obviously doing great things now on, uh, and has been for years with WWE. Um, had a lot of fun wrestling him. There's, uh, you know, a lot of people look back and uh, think highly of the, you know, two-year-long feud I had with my former partner, Corey Hollis. Um, so there's just a lot of things that I'm really proud of that really tested me creatively uh, 
to see, you know, how long can we prolong this? How long, how much mileage can you get out of a storyline or an angle or a rivalry? Um, but those are probably three of the ones that really stick out to me. Yeah, our uh, co-host who isn't here is a big PWX fan, and he speaks highly of you guys, you and Corey's feud. He says that's one of the best ones he's seen really ever. I mean, Well, you'll have to tell him I said thank you because that was, again, something that was drawn off of a real-life thing or issue. You know, people had seen us teaming together on NXT, on television, um, and uh, then the question automatically came up, you know, why didn't you guys get signed, you know, to full-time deals? So it was natural for Corey as the villain to blame everything on me. I was the reason we didn't get signed. I'm the reason he doesn't have a job. Uh, you know, and he tried to, again, going back to Bret Hart, Owen Hart, like he almost seen as the little brother, you know, not by blood, but, you know, pretty much he's seen as the little brother and uh, he's, you know, jealous of the other one's success. And he tries to goad me into fighting him for several months. And I refused to fight him uh, until I can't refuse anymore. And uh, so, again, we were able to get a lot of mileage out of that. And one thing I'm real proud about that feud, too, real quick, is there were a lot of people that are the diehard PWX fans that almost, in a way, got a little sick of it because it was such a focal point of a lot of the shows for so long. So there was a lot of questions going into, like, the big cage match, I quit match blow-off that we had. You know, have we gone too long with this? But then, you know, the night of the big blow-off, the, there was a jam-packed crowd. I mean, one of the biggest crowds we've ever had. So the proof is always in the pudding with me. And, and if anybody had any doubt on whether or not that feud maybe went a little too long, I would say you got to measure it by, I mean, this is a business, so you got to measure it by ticket sales. And we did good box office for PWX. So to me, that says uh, more than anything, that's something I'm proud of is that it was uh, a money maker for a company, which is hard to do, especially on the independents. So when you speak personal animosity, I mean, we don't got to go into details. That stays within you, you and the wrestler. But it was it just like on a level of you, like you guys, they didn't respect what your work or was it just like a personal, like they didn't like how you did things or like, what do you mean by that personal animosity yeah, with Manning and even Corey for a little bit? Uh, well, with Jake, um, with Jake Manning, we just, we just rubbed each other the wrong way personally. Uh, we, he's, you know, probably seven or eight years older than me. And at the time we met, you know, I'm a guy in his early to mid twenties. So there was probably a little immaturity there on my part, um, as you could probably imagine. Um, but, uh, we just came from two different worlds and I don't think he had a lot of respect for me because he probably, you know, well, let me, let me back up real quick. You know, one thing I always have to say about Jake Manning is that he works his ass off. Like, he was one of the guys that was there early to set up the ring, uh, you know, put out the chairs. Sometimes he did that stuff by himself. And he did that for years and years and years and years. And we would be, he would be the last first one there, last one to leave, tearing up the ring or putting the ring up, tearing it down. And uh, so Jake also had ex high expectations for everybody else to kind of follow suit. So occasionally he would see somebody like me walk in get a spot on the show and it would kind of rub him, rub him the wrong way if I wasn't bending over backwards to do everything that he did as well. Uh, so, and then of course, Jake, you, you know, this is pretty well documented. If you ask anybody, they'll probably tell you the same. Jake has a weird personality. He's a guy that, and he'll even admit it himself. You know, he doesn't warm up to people right away. You have to get to know him. It takes a long time. And it was just, combustible elements as Jim Ross would say <laughs> you know we just uh, I didn't like him and he didn't like me and that was just the way it was going to be and it's kind of crazy because that rivalry and us again doing good business for PWX kind of brought us close together you know then we could trust each other moving forward and now you know thankfully uh, the relationship is much different so uh, and then what I there was not a lot of personal animosity going into me and Corey's rivalry it was just again, a real-life thing that happened that played out on screen uh, in terms of getting contracts, not getting contracts. It was something believable, like a tangible thing that's different uh, in terms of storyline that people could kind of sink their teeth into and go, oh, wow, that's real. That really happened. They really did have an opportunity, and they didn't get signed. And it was just us kind of trying to blur the lines of reality and, and fiction, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Because, 
because how many times have we seen the same old rehashed angles in wrestling where, you know, the tag team partners come together and then they eventually split up for whatever reason? Uh, or, you know, how many wrestling weddings have we seen? How many, you know, romance love triangles have we seen in wrestling? And, you know, a lot of it's just the same stuff rehashed. So we were just trying to do something different. Because yeah. if I remember right, you and Corey had some, like, WWE tryouts together and appearances together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there for a while, especially when NXT was um, first starting to travel on the road and do live events, um, you know, we were asked to, you know, even do some of those, the non-televised events, um, the house shows, uh, things like WrestleMania Access, you know. We were a part of all those things, and I think a lot of it had to do, too, with the launch of, at the time, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, they were already talking about having a 205 brand, um, even though it wasn't 205 Live yet. They hadn't even, like I said, done the Cruiserweight Classic yet. But we were names that were kind of being tossed around for that, I think, as well. So they were looking at a lot of smaller guys at the time. Um, but for one reason or another, nothing ever materialized of it. Uh, you know, and that's just the way it is sometimes, for better or for worse. Now, I mean, now here you are working with AEW, so it works out, I yeah. guess. All comes and works out eventually, you know. <laughs> all came full circle. So Yeah, and I also think you can't stop talent. The, the cream always rises, right? So I think if you have the grit and the determination to stay with it, I I'm not trying to get overly motivational or positive here, but, you know, I, I think if you just – have the patience to kind of stick things out, you know, you, you, I, th I think I've seen so many people quit uh, wrestling and I don't think they realize just how close they were to making it. So um, I never wanted to be those guy, one of those guys, you know, I didn't want to warm or stay past my welcome or over what's the phrase uh, out, uh, uh, outstay my welcome or whatever, but uh, also didn't want to quit prematurely either. So, PWX, um, I want to talk a little bit more about that before we head back to AEW because I mean, it's crazy the amount of wrestlers you see at work there recently doing stuff with AEW and even WWE. I think I just saw Anthony Henry just got signed with NXT, the Performance Center. And you got you, you know, JD Drake, even Corey's been on AEW a couple of times. It's like, was it... What's it? How does it feel? Because for what I've understood from my co-host, you're kind of a... Uh, PWX original a little bit. What's it like seeing all these guys that you worked frequently with getting a lot of chances recently with like other companies? Yeah, it's it's surreal, man. Um, you know, just the other day, uh, I remember we were. Oh, this is a couple tapings ago, but a bunch of us were standing around. It was like me and Diamante, Big Swole, Hangman Page, a handful of us, and we were thinking to ourselves, like, "Wow, this is pretty nuts that we all used to wrestle in front of." you know, you know, 40, 50 people at school gymnasiums and armories and all that for the same company. And now everybody is getting an opportunity here. It's pretty wild and, and surreal to think about, but, um, it's, it's cool too. Uh, again, it just goes back to what I was saying. Like, I think if you have the talent and the patience, if you just stick things out, you know, good things will happen. And for some of us, it's happened quicker than others. Uh, but it's it's crazy, man, and I think a lot of it too. You know, not to sound braggadocious, I think a lot of it stems from us coming up in the Carolinas, uh, because I feel like the Carolinas, especially, just kind of breed a different type of pro wrestler. I think some of the best pro wrestlers up and down in history uh, come from the Carolinas. Rick Rick Flair's from there, so I mean that says a lot right there. So. Yeah. Hardys, I mean, you're definitely right. The Carolinas breeds, you know, who's who of wrestlers. So, yeah. How does it? Like, how would you come in contact with Brian Kanabruski to start in PWX? Uh, so over the years, it's kind of changed hands uh, a few times. Um, I remember when I first kind of started there. Um, it was run by somebody completely different, uh, a guy by the name of Tyshawn. Um, so when Brian took over, I had just gotten back from my first tour of the UK. I was over there for about 13 weeks and came home and, um, you know, ownership, ownership had kind of changed. So, 
but it's it's still fun to kind of see what the company's kind of grown into. And over the years, I've kind of, you know, had my hands in different roles in the company. And it's been uh, just fun to watch the growth. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, what were you touring the UK for? Was that like a promotion or just something you were doing on your personal time? Or was it wrestling related or... Yeah, I was on a 13-week tour of the UK. I've done a couple of them for, for wrestling, uh, primarily working for a company called All Star uh, Pro Wrestling that's run by Brian Dixon, who, uh, behind Vince McMahon, is the longest-running promoter still in the world today because he still runs shows. He's been running shows for over four decades. Um, a lot of guys, uh, you know, you were talking about PWX and the number of talent that have come out of there, you know, it would it would make your head spin to see how many guys have wrestled for Brian Dixon, you know, guys like Fit Finley, William Regal, Dave Taylor, um, you know, a lot of those old school British wrestlers that everybody has kind of known to, you know, have come to know and love. And even the next generation of guys like James Mason and Frankie Sloan and a handful of others. And then more modern guys uh, like Brian Danielson, um, uh, Luke Harper, uh, Dave Finley Jr., uh, Juice Robinson, Dash Wilder, or Cash Wheeler, uh, myself, um, even guys like Jushin, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger have wrestled for Brian. So it's a who's who of guys that have gone over there and, you know, worked for Brian. Um, but that was the ultimate learning experience, too, because that was what the only time and I'm probably the closest I'll ever get to feeling like I was wrestling in a territory because we wrestled every single day. Uh, sometimes twice a day, and then on Thursdays we would actually have three shows on Thursday, and we, you know, wrestled six days a week. Would have one day off, back on the road, doing it all again the next week. So, you know, I probably wrestled 150 times at least in that 13 week period, and then came back to the states. So when you come back, your mind is just sharp because all you've done is wrestle. So your confidence is high, your mind is sharp, and you just become a whole different type of performer. And um, I, and I've been thankful to go over there a handful of times for several different companies now, but that's a place that I really, really, I think, transformed into a really good professional wrestler just by, again, getting reps over in the U.K. What, wow. what was it like wrestling in front of U.K. fans? I have to imagine that was pretty wild because they're like probably one of the most passionate I would say they're probably the most passionate fans out there wrestling-wise. Was it crazy kind of wrestling in front of those guys, the fans and stuff? Yeah, they're very passionate, and they're also very appreciative. Um, sometimes I feel like, yeah, wrestling fans over here in the States are passionate, and they love what we do, obviously, and they support what we do. But sometimes I think that they, again, have their expectations set a little too high, and they don't necessarily appreciate uh, what the guys are doing, what they're you know, the guys and girls, when they go out there, you know, they are putting their bodies on the line for their entertainment. And uh, sometimes I feel like that gets a little bit lost because fans get a little overly critical at times and forget, oh, my, these guys are actually putting their lives in danger. And these girls are putting their lives in danger for us and our entertainment. So um, it's, you know, definitely uh, it, it's nice to go over to the U.K. and wrestle and the fans be passionate and appreciative and it's also fun, too, because there's a lot of families and kids at a lot of these shows. So it, it, to me, it takes me back to being a kid and going to my first show, you know, Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina, December 30th, 1993. Wow. <laughs> uh, watching guys like <laughs> watching guys like Arn Anderson and, you know, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, Sting, Road Warrior Hawk, Rick Rude. You know, the list goes on and on. Ricky Steamboat. Um, and knowing how excited I got to walk in and see the ring and see the guardrails set up and, you know, just oh, like just a complete culture shock. And to see that look now on other kids' faces, uh, it you know, being a guy that is now in my early 30s, you know, you learn to appreciate stuff like that too because that tells me that I'm doing all this for the right reasons. Huh. Yeah. Going to WrestleMania – so we've gone to WrestleMania week a few times and I – you know, the UK fans are there heavy and, you know, that's seeing how they act and like how much they care about wrestling, you know, just enjoying the simple things. I definitely agree. I think they honestly blow, not trying to like diss other people, including me and Dave and you obviously were all American, but they, I think definitely blow other 
fan bases out of water. They're just incredible. So that's why I had to yeah. ask. We can learn yeah. from them. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> well, and it's not that, uh, again, we're not, you know, lumping everybody into one group here because I, I mean, just last week, you know, I uh, wrestled for, again, PWX, and, you know, there were so many appreciative fans that just came up and thanked me afterwards for the match that I put on and the time I put in there. And, you know, so this isn't, you know, we're obviously not addressing everybody, but, you know, there's still very a lot of fans in the States that are very passionate and appreciative. Um, But there are days when I wake up and I read Twitter first thing in the morning and it makes my head want to explode. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter... Twitter's something else, you know. With uh, yeah, it definitely brings ugly. Yeah. I think have a lot of wrestling fans. I try to stay positive on there because there's definitely a lot of negative. <laughs> yeah, a lot of toxicity comes out here. You know, what's it like being a wrestler and seeing some things that like? Do you just brush it off, or like this? At least, maybe in your early days, was it ever taken personally when people would tweet, or I guess back in the day, maybe MySpace bad things. Uh, yeah because uh i would take it personally more so when i was younger because when i was breaking in and uh learning and you know just figuring everything out and wrestling i wanted everybody to think i was good from the fans to the veterans in the locker room like i wanted to be praised and i wanted yeah sure feedback i knew i wasn't going to be the perfect wrestler by any stretch of the means but you know you want you you do it you know, when you're younger, especially maybe a little more immature, you, you want to be praised for your work. So when you hop online to see, oh, what did they say about my match? And it's the exact opposite. Yeah, that's a huge blow to your ego. And now I've learned to not take it as personal because, well, one, I'm making more money than I've ever made in wrestling. So I don't really give a damn what people think. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's to me, I, I when I I know if my match was good or not, uh, and when I have guys like that are heroes of mine now that I fortunately get to work with on a regular basis, like Arn Anderson, like Chris Jericho, like Jerry Lynn, like Dean Malenko, um, when these guys tell me, "Hey, man, that was a hell of a match, great job, like that was awesome," and when these guys are texting me saying, "Excellent work, like keep it up." that's all the validation I need. I don't need a nameless, faceless person on Twitter to tell me if my match was good or, or not. Is that great? Yes. If somebody likes to praise me, by all means, please praise me. I appreciate the support 100%. But at the same time, I'm not going to be the guy that is scrolling through the YouTube comments whenever AEW Dark launches to see what everybody's saying in the chat room. Because if you could get 100 comments 99 of them could be positive the one you're going to remember is the one negative so and it's just human nature it's not that anything's wrong with that by any stretch of the means but you know i've tried to learn ways to kind of cut it off before it becomes an issue i think and uh you know at the end of the day i think what arn anderson thinks about me means more to me than what joe ticklebutt in peoria (laughs) illinois thinks exactly so you're not going to be one of those guys that vanity search yourself on Twitter, I take it, then? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. <laughs> that seems to be a thing I see sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know why anybody would want to do that, because... Uh, um, so it comes off to me like you have this like old-school vibe, which brings me to your last PWX match. You were calling it your one... Last ride, I believe, or one final run. One, like, one more round, yeah. And uh, was that just something like you want to give back to the business, give back to PWX? Uh, you just want to put over to champion, or what led to that? Uh, to answer all of those in a short answer, yes to all of them. Uh, yes, I wanted to give back to the place that really gave me the platform to become uh, great uh, because I think I already had I figured it out a little bit on my own, but before I got to PWX, you know, I don't think the the name John Schuyler meant a lot to really anybody. Um, I don't know what it means to people now, but I know I would not be where I'm at had it not been for PWX and them giving me the opportunity, maybe even when I wasn't ready to wrestle guys like Johnny Gargano, 
like Zach Saber Jr., like Kevin Owens, uh, like Sammy Callahan. Uh, you know, there's a laundry list of guys that they put me in the ring with. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, like you know, these are all guys I got to wrestle uh, because of PWX, um, and that helped get my name out there. So, anytime I could give back, yes. And if there's ever an opportunity for me to give back again, you know, it's uh, you know, it's the, like the old adage goes, like it's not goodbye it's i'll see you later and so that's just kind of where it's at, at right now with with pwx um not really knowing what the future holds per se specifically yet in my life uh i i do know that it was just kind of time to move on from there i've done everything there is to do uh i had nine great years there um uh you'll never hear me really say a bad thing about the place because again everything they've given me uh, and I had 101 matches there. That's kind of unheard of for any guy to wrestle 101 matches in any indie company. Um, and I did that over the course of about nine years. So, again, something I'm very proud of. I'm proud of the time that I put in there, the guys that I hopefully helped along the way, um, you know, and uh, just some of the things that I did creatively uh, that really challenged me in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, now, I'm not sure if you can touch on this or not but what does the future hold for john schuyler and what is your what would you like your legacy to be uh first of all i always want my legacy to kind of be um somebody that everybody wanted to wrestle uh i want to be seen as the guy that uh you know no matter who i was wrestling i went out of my way to help elevate my opponents um you know, I want to be seen as a guy that was a great wrestler, a great worker, um, you know, easy to deal with, a pro's pro, um, and somebody that had great matches. Uh, I want my work to also kind of stand the test of time. You know, one of my heroes is Chris Jericho, and the fact that he constantly has reinvented himself and he's still creating a legacy after 30 years, you know, that's so remarkable to me. Um, you know, I first broke into wrestling wanting to have the same career as Chris Jericho. I wanted to travel the world, um, you know, make a name for myself everywhere, gain experience everywhere, and then eventually take everything I've learned and make a lot of money. Um, you know, uh, so I kind of want my legacy to be somewhat like that. Somebody that put in their time and was just seen as a reliable guy that showed up for work and, you know, busted his ass every single night. Um, in terms of the future and what the future holds, I have a lot of opportunity on the table, but it's not, uh, you know, nothing's set in stone yet. Um, uh, I'm very excited because, again, it has been, you know, this has kind of become a cliche, kind of like roll your eyes, cringeworthy phrase for modern day wrestling. But uh, they talk about gambling on yourself, and I've gambled on myself a lot, especially over the last year and a half. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of it was messed up, not only due to COVID, but to me having my knee fixed because I had to have ACL surgery. Yeah. So um, a lot of it was put on halt. But even then, I've still gambled on myself quite a bit. And it's all starting to pay off because the and especially here in the next few months, it's going to be the most vital few months of my career because I have multiple opportunities to do a lot of cool things at multiple different places. And I'm very, very excited about it. And I'm very excited to finally figure out where I'm going to eventually hang my hat full time. Nice. Yeah. So I didn't want to get into contract details. So I didn't ask, you know, that's none of anyone's business, but um, was that match you had at PWX your last there or last on the indie scene? Like, I don't want to go into any speculation if you've signed anywhere or not. So you don't have to say that or not, but would you say that's your last time the indie scene or just that one company? Uh, for right now, that'll be the it. That'll, that'll be it for PWX. Uh, I still have a couple of independents on the books. A lot of the work I'm doing right now in the indies is for uh, Larry Auto Pro in Georgia, which is um, owned and run by the one and only Luke Gallows. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Good buddy of mine. And uh, so I've got a couple of things on the books for him. He's doing a lot of cool things with Impact Plus. A lot of his... I'm pretty sure, you know, most of the modern Larry Auto shows are dropping on Impact Plus, so people can check them out there. Um, uh, he's got a nice little cross-promoting thing going on with Impact Wrestling. 
so I'm doing a lot of his shows. I've got a couple things lined up in the Carolinas still in May. Um, and a few other little things here and there, pretty much all the way through July. I still have some independents lined up that I'm really, really excited about. So after that, not really sure what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, like I said, I'm very excited. And, uh, so, so for right now, yes, that was my last PWX match, but, uh, still have a handful of independents still lined up. Nice. So you mentioned your knee injury and I remember that, um, but I was going to ask you about wrestling injuries in general. We had a guest last week, and he didn't know you were going to be on here. His name was JT Energy, and he was telling us that you guys had a spot in a match once where he, like, picked you up and, like, dropped you and, like, you hit your head on the back of his or something. Like, he was saying that, like, that was one of the moments where he figured, you know, he wasn't – he was, like, needing to, like, figure out how to work and, you know, that kind of reevaluates his wrestlers. That has – Wrestlers like ever like held on to something like that? Does that like ever cause ill will when you get injured, or like is that just something you can shrug off and you know help they learn from, or like not? Well, so it all obviously depends on the extent of the injury. I, I thankfully, knock on wood, have never seriously injured anybody at all. And even that, you know, I remember what you're talking about. It was a show for Sammy Callahan in Iowa. Uh, I think it was like two days after Christmas. Yeah, he picked me up for like a torture rack uh into a neck breaker and something happened we hit heads on the way down yeah. um i was like oh damn that hurt i <laughs> rolled off and then just blood was just pouring out of the back of my head oh. and i'm just oh great and yeah you get mad but uh, i wasn't mad at him i was mad because it's two days after christmas i'm in iowa hundreds of miles away from home have no idea where the hospital is have no idea how i'm going to get there but i know i need to go and I know I'm going to spend the night in the hospital getting stitches in the back of my head. And I know I have to wrestle the next day. I know I have a flight to catch. So it's just you see how the anxiety would kind of build and and one would not be very happy. But I was never displeased with him because accidents happen. You know, they say it's not ballet or whatever. And it's true. You know, he didn't mean to do it. You know, he didn't do it on purpose. Um you know, so yeah, it was just uh, it sucks when it happens. Uh, uh Thankfully, also, I haven't been seriously injured until I tore my ACL, uh, which I also tore my MCL and my PCL uh, in a a match on dart with the with the dark order. So, you know, up until then, I was injury free for almost 12 years. Um, And I think, again, that's something that I take a lot of pride in not hurting other people and not hurting myself and knowing how to protect myself. But injuries are going to happen along the way. It's just it's just a part of what we do. Yeah, I just brought that up because he brought it up, so I was curious on if you even remembered that because it definitely seemed to stay in his head, so I just never knew if, like, veterans – I'm assuming you've been in the business long ham, so I just didn't know if, like, veterans remembered that kind of stuff, but at least it sounds like you took it with a pretty good attitude. I could see why other people would be mad, I guess, at the performer for that too. So I'm yeah, and to commend him real quick, I do remember it, and if I ever forgot it, uh, I have a scar on the back of my head that'll remind me of it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if, if I remember correctly, and this is a, to to give him praise, is he uh, drove me to the hospital. And not only did he drive me to the hospital, he waited with me in the waiting room. He, uh, when I was waiting and I was hungry because I hadn't eaten anything, he went out and got me food, brought it back to me, uh, drove me to my hotel after. So that tells me everything I need to know about that guy. You know what I mean? He, yeah, absolutely. You know, he went above and beyond to make sure I was taken care of. And at the end of the day, when you have a huge inconvenience like that, that was unexpected, like a hospital visit. And then, you know, you know, you got a flight to catch and there's so much stress to have somebody like that, you know, yes, was it, it was an accident, uh, that unfortunately happened, but he did everything that a pro would do. He made sure I was taken care of. So I always have to commend him for that. Absolutely. It's good to hear. He's yeah, so he sounded like a really good, genuine dude, so it doesn't surprise me that you know he did all that for you. So heading circling back to you know, AEW, what was what was your thoughts when you tore your ACL? Because I remember you know, when you tweeted that you were having surgery and you know, you messed up your knee in several different ways. Did you was that like ever a moment where you felt like maybe your career might have been done i just can't imagine if like big injuries like that there's probably a lot of emotions that run through 
Yeah, it was the first time I'd ever been hurt. And a lot of the times when you get dinged up or whatever, because I feel like I've been, I feel like, yes, I've wrestled hurt at times, but I've never been seriously injured and there's a difference. Uh, but you always kind of get, or for the longest time anyways, the old school mentality was you kind of tape it up and you keep going. Um, but this was different. This was like, I finished the match somehow and I knew right away when I got to the back, I couldn't put any weight or stabilize my knee at all. Uh, you know, I couldn't put any weight on it. I should say, um, you know, I just knew this was different. I knew I was seriously, seriously hurt and I had to tell somebody because I was supposed to wrestle the next day. Um, on the tapings the day after. And, uh, thankfully, you know, as soon as I got back to the trainer's room, the trainers, which I got to put the AEW medical staff over, uh, Doc Sampson, uh, Bryce, uh, Reddy, uh, and, and Brad and their team there. Um, they made, again, made sure that I was taken care of. Uh, they took me right back to the, to the trainer's room and, they pretty much knew right away that I'd torn my ACL just by looking at it, which is, I don't know how they do that, but that's why they get paid big bucks and I don't. Um, <laughs> and uh, got an MRI the next day and confirmed ACL, MCL, PCL. And the diagnosis was, or the prognosis was eight to 12 months. And uh, I had a couple people ask me if they thought it would be career threatening or career ending. I never thought that. I never, ever thought that. It, I knew I was going to come back. Uh, you know, I think honestly what caused the injury because it was a complete like fluke thing. It was nobody's fault. Uh, I think a lot of it stemmed from me not being mentally in the game that day. I had a lot of other stuff going on personally that I really won't get into, but uh, it was just a bad day at the office for me. And that that's, happens at any job, you know? Uh, unfortunately, this caused me not having my own, you know, not being mentally tough and not having my head in the game where it should be. I, uh, you know, unfortunately, this was the repercussions or the consequences from that. So, uh, thankfully, though, uh, you know, that night especially, you know, as soon as I went back to the trainer's room, the first guy that came that came to check on me was Tony Khan. He wow. got up from the gorilla position, and he came back to the medical room and was just so apologetic, wanted to make sure that I was okay, and he assured me that he was going to help take care of it. And, uh, you know, that guy and, and everybody at AEW, again, went above and beyond while I was hurt to make sure that I was being brought back to TV. Uh, even though I couldn't wrestle, I was doing rehab with their doctors in Jacksonville. Again, best medical team that I've ever seen. And, um, you know, they paid me. They paid me well every the whole time I was gone, the whole time I was out. And not being a guy that's under a contract or a full-time deal there, you know, holy cow. I mean, you that would never happen anywhere else and it just blow it still blows my mind to this day to think you know that they took care of me the way they did but i'll always appreciate it uh, i was there for it yeah i'm so i'm glad that you kind of put him over because i think a lot of people unfortunately base him on that one incident like what do you think when people like categorize someone like that again it's probably somebody that has no idea what they're talking about um <laughs> I'm, i was very very um you know, learn every time I watch them, I see something new. Uh, you know, uh, even Jim as a promo, as a manager, you know, there's so much stuff that, you know, there's so much knowledge up there. And, you know, a lot of the things that he says a lot of the time, I think has some validity to it. I think he's obviously been around uh, wrestling. You know, that's his, all he's ever done. He's made a lot of money doing it in a variety of different roles. So you can't help but just kind of have your ears open when somebody like Jim talks because there is stuff to be learned there. I think sometimes he comes from an agitated place and it doesn't always come off as um, helpful as it might should to some because of the tone, um, you know, but that's just who Jim is. I don't, I've, I've only met Jim once or twice on a couple of independent shows and it, there wasn't much conversation there past hey how are you my name is and that's about it so mm. um you know but uh i've found uh i found some of the things that he said over the years pretty entertaining and i think a lot of people have <laughs> because he has a way with words and sometimes 
depending on who the victim is, they can be taken in a variety of different ways. Yeah, I was wondering because he's a heavy, it seems like he's at least a heavy critic of AEW. I don't know if that's changed much, but so I was curious on like what you, you guys in the locker room thought about him a little bit, you know, without going into like any personal details. So it sounds like you don't have too much on that, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, again, our locker room is so motivated. Uh, well, the AEW locker room is so motivated that, you know, they're just trying to put on the best performance week by week that they possibly can. I see guys constantly, you know, just walking around, just ready to, you know, just rock the house. Uh, I think keeping that mentality and guys just wanting to go out there and girls and kill it and deliver the best performance that they possibly can and also just be a part of something different. Um, the alternative, uh, you know, and something new and cool, you know, I think everybody's so driven on that and being a part of that, that I don't think a lot of people have the time to listen to Jim or anybody else for that matter. I'm not saying that they don't, I'm sure people do, but you know, again, why focus your energy, uh, or waste your energy worrying about what other people think and what other people say, you can use that energy as a, as a positive and deliver a great performance with that energy or whatever you know i don't know i'm i feel like i'm rambling now oh you're good um, you're good (laughs) um what's yeah i think i think go ahead well i i was gonna ask a different question so i didn't know if you were gonna touch if you had one last statement what you were saying no i was just gonna say that um you know i think there's not a lot of time for guys to waste their time and attention into what anybody says online there you know, I think a lot of guys do and girls do, but, you know, I think it's it's not necessarily the, the barometer anymore for uh, guys, guys' focus and, and girls' focus and, and attention. Um, I'm definitely rambling now. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, obviously, wrestling AEW Dark, but, like, what's the morale of the locker room right now on in AEW in general? You guys are consistently now, ever since, you know, I guess if you want to quote the Wednesday night wars ended, you guys have been, you know, consistently hitting 1 million the last couple of weeks. Does that have to feel pretty good for all you guys? Yeah, I'm sure it's very exciting for everybody. Um, uh, you know, and it's a good thing. I think for wrestling fans across the board, it doesn't matter what show you're watching. I think, you know, the fact that, you know, now you can tune in pretty much every night of the week and find something. It's uh, is a good thing if you're looking to get your wrestling fix. And uh, but yeah, I know especially it's very exciting. You know, for a lot of people uh, within the company, it's very exciting to see that one million number on a regular basis and also be at the at the top. If, you know, of the demographic that they want uh, is always fun to see too and hearing the numbers that come in from that on a weekly basis is pretty exciting uh for for all of us especially in this era when things you know haven't been normal quote unquote and there's not been a lot of live crowds um to maintain that and build upon during something like this is pretty remarkable so um as a wrestling fan, I am personally glad to see, you know, because I like NXT and AEW, for, so I'm just going to throw, I'm actually glad that they're different nights now because I, I think benefit wrestling more in the long term to get more eyes on both shows, hopefully, is what I'm hoping going forward. That's good. Um, do you think it's going to be weird when full fans come back? Like, are you guys all kind of accustomed to just now the way you're doing it in the pandemic era that might be a little weird working in front of a live full crowd again do you think that'll be a problem uh if i'm being honest i don't think it'll be a problem i think there's been some bad habits amongst guys and girls during this era that have kind of developed that will need to be kind of ironed out i really won't go into a lot of details on those but um you know i think a lot of people are excited for the live crowds to come back uh, i know i just watched ufc 261 last night and there was just something about the atmosphere because it was the first ufc back with full capacity yeah, that was incredible uh they they made the fights so much more entertaining having the people there uh and and yelling and, and chanting and booing and it just does something different man and having that that crowd uh 
just, you know, I'm just sitting there watching at home and my adrenaline was going, I had goosebumps and I can't imagine what the fighters were feeling. So I'm excited to be able to experience that again. Uh, you know, and it's slowly coming back and I know every precaution is being taken before, you know, things open back up to full capacity in some places, uh, wrestling included, you know, people are making sure every base is covered and every precaution is taken. So everybody's safe. And that's what means uh, that's probably the most important thing is making sure all our fans and all of our, you know, performers and everybody is safe across the board. Yeah. It's going to be incredible next month. Speaking of USC real quick, when Connor McGregor fights in front of a full crowd back, I think that's, Part of thing Dana White was hoping for his next fight. So I'm really looking forward to that next, I think, in May. I think it's Poirier, number three, I think. Yeah. That's yeah, going to be That should be awesome. Then WrestleMania just had 25,000, and that was another surreal feeling. You know, I guess the yeah. fans coming back for fans like us bring some normalcy back. Would you say that's going to be the same as the wrestlers, too? What brings some kind of normalcy back to you guys a little bit, though? Yeah, 100%. I think um, having the fans back will be um, nothing but positive. And uh, I think uh, it'll take, again, it'll help elevate the performers to another level, just being able to feed off the crowd again. Uh, You know, I know I'm excited about it, uh, you know, because it's going to be, it's just going to be awesome. That's all I can say. It's going to be great to have it. I can't imagine. So I'm going to ask one or two more questions and then, I will start wrapping up. What was it like working with Lance Archer? Uh, so me and Lance have wrestled each other a couple times now, and he's uh, obviously a big boy. So, you know, stylistically, that's uh, you know, even though the there's a size discrepancy, I think we match up pretty well with one another. But you know, me and Lance wrestled a couple times before. I know once for New Japan Pro Wrestling on one of their American tours. Uh, we wrestled in a tag together and that, um, you know, that went really well. And I enjoyed the stuff we did on AEW dark. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jake Roberts growing up. So having Jake out there was cool too. Um, also wrestled Jake before and on a tour in Canada. So it's, uh, pretty nuts when you go back and look at things in totality, how blessed and fortunate I've been to step in the ring with some of these guys that I've, you know, grew up watching. Uh, not not Lance specifically. That'll make him feel old if I say I grew up watching him when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and you know Lance does a lot of unique things for a guy that size, and so it's uh, you know been entertaining to watch him kind of evolve over the years as well. So I got a quick question. Yeah. I'm not sure how this is, how this will sound or not, but do you feel like maybe if social media didn't exist? wrestling would be a little better criticized wise uh yes and no i definitely think with social media obviously people have the chance to access anything that they want pretty much at any time now um and uh, of course there's the old adage or whatever that you know you know you wouldn't see guys like harley race back in the day tweeting his opponent thanking (laughs) him for the match or something like that like so that kind of kills it i think in some of the people's eyes, but that's just kind of the direction that society's going as well is, yeah. um, you know, you look at every form of sports, you know, entertainment media, you know, it's, uh, it's just kind of going that direction. Now, everybody we're we're just in that era where everything is at the touch of a button or right there at our fingertips. So what's going to be really impressive over the next few years is figuring out a way to turn that around and use that to our advantage using social media and a lot of guys have figured it out already and a lot of girls have too um you know but uh that's the trick is turning something like social media around on the audience and again being able to blur those lines and um you know is this guy really this way why does he always why does this girl always tweet this way why is she really weird or like (laughs) is this guy really a jerk all the time uh you know just you know things like that or in your case, is this guy can actually sue Lance Archer after attacking him in the fans? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That ever come to fruition? <laughs> no, no. I just, I was like, what? I, you just beat me last week on Dark. Why did you have to sucker punch me at ringside? <laughs> so that was, was not enough for you. So, um, but yeah, um, 
no, I, I wouldn't be the guy that would sue somebody. I would go right up to him and punch him back. <laughs> Unfortunately, that day I was a little groggy. I had enough. <laughs> uh, was that like off the cuff or did he tell you ahead of time that he was just going to sucker punch you? If I told you that, that would be uh, revealing the, the magician's hand there. Yeah, yeah, sorry, so sorry. I'll yeah, let you back. Back uh, I just wasn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I was... So uh, before I have one more question before we wrap up. How did it feel? Because you mentioned Art Anderson was one of your heroes while, you know, growing up. How did it feel when he put you over on live TV? Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, first, yeah, when I heard, you know, through the grapevine, through some of the social media people that he had said that, uh, I was just like, what? What? Me? What? You know, wow. Like, uh, just incredible. Uh, he was literally the first wrestler I ever saw live on the first wrestling show I ever went to. Um, he was the first one out the curtain. You know, I still remember everything about him coming out that day and, walking down the entrance ramp in the stage and, you know, shielding his eyes to look at all the people much like Christian cage does now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, I remember him, you know, getting in the ring and the place losing their minds. And it's just such a vivid thing for me that will always stand with me. And, you know, like the first time I ever did extra work with WWE, Arn was my producer for my match. Um, I was there the night Arn retired in 97 because that happened in Columbia. So Arn's, whether he knows it or not, has been a pivotal part of my career and it's kind of crazy how things have paralleled through time and come full circle because now you know his son Brock is getting into the business and I've had a hand in helping him uh as much as I can and you know it was just crazy to think you know they say never meet your heroes because sometimes you're going to be disappointed not only to meet one of my heroes in Arn and him be just the best the greatest guy ever but also for somebody who's, I don't know, whose work I've always thought so highly of and even tried at times to pattern myself after, for him to also in return think highly of me and my work, I mean, dude, that's the the makings of a guy that can die happy right there. I mean, it's just completely incredible. Also, just last week, because you've been getting a lot of praise. Like, I know you don't pay much attention to social media, but I found it's cool. Uh Scott Dawson's people would know if they don't watch AEW or Dax Hardwood. He was putting you over on there too. What's that mean to you? Uh, it's amazing because Dax and Cash both are guys that I kind of came up with in the business, and uh, to see them, you know, you know, whether people agree with it or not, and again, opinions, you know, they change from day to day in terms of who's saying them or whatever, but. I think they're the greatest tag team in the business. And that's not me saying that because, you know, I came up with them or anything like that. I, I say it because it's the truth. And uh, they, they in their minds, think that they're the greatest tag team in the business as well. <laughs> uh, so it's all, it's awfully high praise coming from somebody like that who was, who literally eats, sleeps, and breathes wrestling. I mean, there's been times I've traveled with, with Dax and he's, on his iPad the entire time watching wrestling and studying it. And he takes his crap very, very seriously. And probably the, just one of the, out of everybody I've met in the business, probably top one or two most passionate guys about our sport. So for him to take the time to tweet about something that I've done was uh, a, a huge, huge honor. Um, it was crazy because I was just flying back actually from PWX and I had just landed in Miami because I had a layover. And I looked down at my phone when I got the Wi-Fi service back. And my, my Twitter notifications were just off the page. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, I thought I might have been in trouble or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, so I uh, looked at it. And I saw the tweet. And I was just like, wow. And just to see also so many other people from the wrestling community across several different companies just agree with it you know you talked or asked about what i want my legacy to be moving forward you know that right there is what it's all about being that respected by your peers and a lot of the people that uh agreed with them are guys that i look up to in this business and grew up again watching and admire and, and you know it just it felt really good to be respected that way by your peers um dave do you have any uh Last questions before we wrap up? Nope. All right, sweet. 
Well, John, uh, do you have anything uh, you want to plug, your social media, any T-shirts or anything before we wrap up? Well, yeah, people can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Those are the, pretty much the two primary forms of social media that I have. That's at the John Schuyler on both, S-K-Y-L-E-R. Uh, I have a pro wrestling tea store, too, that people can buy merch and T-shirts from. And I also, like have merch that I sell on my own. If people want to contact me directly through social media, they can, um, you know, I have a little, you know, more up to date stuff on me, uh, in terms of merchandise than they have up on pro wrestling tees. Cause I don't think the store has been updated for a while. So, um, but I've got all sorts of pictures, trading cards, t-shirts, memorabilia, anything that any wrestling fan would ever want. And they can contact me directly through social media. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, thank you guys for having me on. This has been a good little talk. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, All right, guys, on that note, I'm your host, Dustin Instruction, for my co-host. Dave here. And we're out. Stay golden, my friends.